you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant. You know the whole deal. Fully vaccinated, dodging variants, Neo in the Matrix, the whole thing. We are streaming. You can catch us on YouTube. You can catch us on our channel there at the youtube.com slash NFL Fantasy. Uh, you can check us on NFL.com. You can catch us in the uh, Fantasy app as well. You have plenty of chances to watch this streaming show. But if you still like the old audio version, we got that for you as well. Producer Justin alongside. We have a cast of dozens helping us produce this, but uh, also just as importantly, Michael F. Florio is here. And uh, Florio, now that we're mostly through week one, how are your teams looking so far? Uh, for the most part, good. You know, it took a couple of L's, had a couple of uh, good performances by my team. A few leagues that I played the highest score and... It's not fun at all, especially when you're watching your opponent's <laughs> score just go up and up and up. But I'm telling myself, it's one week. If your team still did good and the opponent just outscored you, don't overreact at all. I, I think that's it was, there's definitely positives to that, right? You scored a lot of points. You just ran into a buzzsaw. Uh, it's frustrating, but it happens, and hopefully you get it out of the way early. Uh, I've got more winners than losers. I really have adopted the whole thing of not watching scores during the games and usually at night or the, the next morning I'll go check and see how things are going because I just I can't tilt over every play. It's just not a healthy way for me to live. Um, but I'm if you want to change that. Yeah, see, I'm telling you, just get on board. It's a thing that uh, I learned it from from the great Scott Fish. I think he tweeted that out on Sunday morning. I uh, I quote tweeted it and said, this is probably a better way to go about things. And, uh, you know, it takes time. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it's definitely a good thing to do. Uh, if you want to tweet and tilt over every play, uh, you certainly can do that. Uh, not too late to sign up for fantasy football in 2021. You can download the NFL Fantasy app or go to NFL.com slash fantasy all right let's get into it uh, we got plenty to talk about of course we're gonna have some news in just a little bit but we will do some waiver wire picks and all kind of good stuff but let's start with those fantasy headlines the first one jerry judy the denver broncos receiver was carted off the field on sunday with an ankle injury now at the time it looked pretty gruesome, but the reports came back that it was not as serious as it looked. They're saying it's a high ankle sprain. Judy went on Instagram on Monday morning and said, I'll be back soon. So, Florio, that is definitely good news because I think everybody who saw it really looked like, uh, really felt like this could be a very serious injury. High ankle sprain, still not a lot of fun. Uh, but in the short term, who do you look at as sort of the next man up in that Broncos receiving group? Yeah, Marcus, I was in my feels a little bit yesterday when Jerry Judy got hurt. You know, I've been all over him, and he looked phenomenal before he got injured. Um, but I think the next man up is Tim Patrick. Um, he he played more of the snaps than K.J. Hamler did. It was close to 70-30 split there between the two of them. Uh, they each had four targets, but Patrick was used in the red zone. He had an end zone target as well, caught it for a touchdown. Hamler, I think, is more of the field stretcher. 
I think he's got some boomer bust potential, but he's more of a deep league option, whereas uh, Patrick, I think, will be a little bit more consistent. But I don't think either one of these two are going to give you what we were going to expect out of Jerry Judy. I think that what this could do is lead to a target bump for Cortland Sutton. I do think Sutton gets a bump, but I, I'm with you. If you're going to go with one of these reserve wide receivers, it's probably going to be Tim Patrick. And he's a guy that the last couple of years, whenever there are injuries, he seems to step on the field and perform pretty admirably. So uh, I think there's some definite hope that he can be kind of a, a stash for you, maybe some depth at the wide receiver position. But you're right. Um, he's not going to give you what Jerry Judy did. Now the next step for us is to see how long Judy is going to be out, when he's going to come back. I mean, you know this, high ankle sprains can linger. They can sort of be nagging injuries. So hopefully this one recovers sooner rather than later. We get Jerry Judy back. But in the meantime, it does seem like the Broncos uh, do have a decent contingency plan and maybe one to sort of help you out in the short term fantasy wise. Over to San Francisco. And Shanahanigans have already reared their ugly head uh, even before week one started. The, the Sunday started with us finding out that Trey Sermon was a surprise inactive, which caught literally everybody off guard. I mean, it looked for all the world like it was going to be a Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon backfield. Then all of a sudden we find out no Sermon, so it's going to be uh, Eli Mitchell and Jamichael Hasty sort of backing up Mostert. Then, to make matters worse, Mostert leaves the game fairly early with a knee injury. But it's a simple question now. Choose your fighter. Is it Eli Mitchell or is it Jamichael Hasty? I, I think it's easily Elijah Mitchell right now. He played 64% of the snaps yesterday and had 19 touches, uh, carries, turning into 104 yards and a touchdown. Hasty just had the one carry. He did score a touchdown on it, but Mostert... He's great. He's just never on the field, unfortunately. I think starting next week, though, we will see a combination of Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. I think Mitchell, though, is the lead runner. At least we have to perceive him as that as of now because they felt confident enough that if anything was to happen with Mostert, they were going to be fine with him and they didn't need Trey Sermon. I think Hasty was active over Sermon for special team purposes. He is a good contributor there where Sermon really isn't. So I, I think starting next week, We'll have a tandem between Mitchell and Sermon, but Elijah Mitchell right now, he is not only just a waiver wire target, I think he is the top waiver wire target of the week. I would agree, uh, especially with what we saw from him. Uh, look, if there's one thing we know, it's that we want pieces of a Kyle Shanahan running game. We just seem to struggle at picking who that piece is going to be. <laughs> um, uh, look, he is, speaking of, of Shanahan, has become the king of the smokescreen, right? He let us all go through fantasy draft or NFL draft season, I should say, uh, thinking that they were going to take Mac Jones at number three. They turn around and take Trey Lance. Then we go through the preseason and at least early on in training camp and preseason, Trey Sermon looked really good. And we all thought that he was going to be the number two running back on this team. We get to the last week, week and a half, where there isn't quite as much uh, reporting because the practices are closed. And you know, who knows what has happened behind those closed practice doors. But apparently, according to Shanahan, uh, Trey Sermon was not one of the three best running backs heading into week one. That's the reason he was made inactive. Uh, you know, things that should have been brought to our attention yesterday uh, is a phrase that comes to mind. But again, whoever the running back is, 
we're going to want to take a shot at him. So I think I think it is going to be Eli Mitchell in the short term. Uh, and then we wait to see what happens with Raheem Mostert. And we look to see uh, whether or not Trey Sermon is going to be back on the field. I would think if Mostert's hurt, we will see uh, Sermon back in action in week two. Um, more running back situations. This one hitting a little closer to home for you, Florio. Uh Zach Moss, another surprise inactive, a healthy scratch uh, in a backfield that we thought was going to be sort of a two-headed attack with Moss and Devin Singletary. We see no Moss against the Steelers. Devin Singletary gets a really heavy workload. Uh, One, did you see this coming? And two, what does this mean for Buffalo's running backs? I definitely did not see this coming. I have been a believer all uh, since preseason started, really, that Devin Singletary is this team's starting running back. I mean, he was getting usage with the ones with the with the starters, at least in the preseason. And there was times where we didn't see Zach Moss come into like the second quarter of these preseason games. But I still thought he was going to be at least active. I didn't expect Matt Breida to be active and and Zach Moss to be a healthy scratch. And when asked about it after the game. Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, just said it was a numbers game. So what that tells me is like they don't view Zach Moss as someone that they need to get involved, whereas they feel comfortable enough with Devin Singletary as the lead back. So because of that, I I think you could get rid of Zach Moss on your fantasy team, even though he was going rounds earlier than Devin Singletary in drafts. And I think if Devin Singletary is out on the waiver wire, he is a name that you should be looking at because – the Bills, I know their running backs haven't been useful in recent years, Marcus, but if it's one guy and not two that has to split the work with Josh Allen, he could be fantasy relevant. That is definitely a game changer. If it is just a one running back attack, then I think you can feel more confident. And I, I say that regardless of who it was going to be. If if it was Devin Singletary that was the scratch and it was all Zach Moss, I think you can feel comfortable with Moss. And so vice versa here, uh, they still won't let Devin Singletary score touchdowns. But <laughs> I was going to say, now he, he still <laughs> needs three forms of ID. He might. Maybe it's down to like just one now. Maybe he just has to show like a driver's license or something to get in there. Um, but if he's getting the majority of the work that I can feel a little bit more confident about how things are going to go. But yeah, this one very much a surprise, especially because Moss had a couple of nice games uh, during the preseason. So I thought maybe this was going to be back to a two headed attack. So, um, you know, we're all still feeling our way through this in the first couple of weeks, but, but there were a couple of, of healthy scratches that really kind of threw us for a loop. Uh, in Washington, not a healthy scratch, but uh, a guy who ended up leaving the game was quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who suffered a hip injury uh, that took him out. Taylor Heineke ended up finishing the game for the football team in a close loss uh, to the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, the latest report is that Fitzpatrick will be placed on injured reserve, the sh- but we don't know yet if it's going to be season ending or if it's just going to be the short term variety. We will wait word on that. Uh, but for now, we know that at least three games is what Fitzpatrick has to miss. That's going to be the minimum because he's on IR. So can I interest you in a Taylor Heineke at all? We're, we're going to get him on prime time this week, Thursday night <laughs> football, Marcus. So you have to be interested if you're going to be watching that game. But 
This is football is not always fair, man. Like we were so excited for the Washington offense because of Fitzpatrick. And like me particularly, I was super excited for Terry McLaurin just to see what he could do with a gunslinging quarterback like Fitzy. And maybe Fitzy was ever going to get to play in his first playoff game. Who knows? And now that's all up in the air. Um, but I will say with the move to uh, to Heineke, I'm not as worried, I think, as some others might be because I think he's got a little bit of fits in him. Like, he's not afraid to to scramble. He's more mobile than I think he gets credit for. But he is a strong arm um, quarterback who is not afraid to air it out. Uh, their yards per attempt for the last two seasons, these two guys are nearly identical. So is the completion percentage. Uh, they both like to target receivers out wide and in the slot. The only big difference is, Heineke averages nearly three air yards per throw more than Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick has a larger sample size there, but that right there tells me that he's not afraid to air it out, so Terry McLaurin could still be okay. I do think there's not as much reason to be concerned. I think you're right. I mean, I think we saw last year, because Heineke was able to get on the field, that um, you know Terry McLaurin was still viable. Uh, and I think the upside to this offense is that it's pretty narrowly focused, uh, at least until Curtis Samuel comes back, where we're still sort of waiting on that. Uh, but in the meantime, we know it's going to be Terry McLaurin. It's going to be Logan Thomas. Uh, Antonio Gibson is going to get his touches, whether as a runner or as a receiver. So maybe there isn't quite as much reason to panic. I mean, I still would prefer that it's Fitzpatrick there. But if Terry McLaurin's going to you know, make magical catches like that one along the sideline, <laughs> then, then maybe things are going to be OK. But uh, we'll see how long this lasts, how long is going to be Heineke. I would say that I'm not rushing out to pick up Taylor Heineke. I don't think I, I have any intentions yeah, of starting him anywhere. But uh, at least the good news is it doesn't seem like it would undercut the other skill players that we have on our fantasy rosters there from uh, that Washington offense. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll look at some of the top performers from week one, ask some questions about them. Plus, Play a little bit of game of patience or panic or panic or patience or however you want to say it. Either way, we're going to look at some guys who maybe weren't so great and figure out whether or not we should be really concerned about them. Stay tuned for that. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I want to talk about some of the guys who were the top scorers from Sunday uh, after that Thursday night game between the Cowboys and the Bucks. Uh, the Most of the slate played on Sunday. Kyler Murray who had a very nice game. Uh, the, the Cardinals basically just ambushed the Titans, which caught me by surprise, certainly caught the Titans by surprise as well. Uh, look, Patrick Mahomes was sort of the consensus number one quarterback off the board, but a lot of people, myself included, thought Kyler Murray had a very good shot to end up as the QB1. So should we have drafted him as the QB1, Florio? Um. I don't know, because the number two scoring quarterback this week was Patrick Mahomes. So <laughs> those two guys are, are battling it out for those top two. I don't think there's a a wrong answer between like if you took Kyler over Mahomes, I think today you feel great. And if you took Mahomes over Kyler, you should still feel great today. Like uh, unless you took Josh Allen over one of those two, you, you'd really 
today you should just be feeling fine because they went off. I mean, Kyler Murray did what we wanted him to do, right? Like he had the rushing touchdown. He was a wizard scrambling. And I mean, the, the Titans D-line had no answers for him, even though he only had the 20 yards rushing. And then one thing that we kept talking about, Marcus, was the improved pass catchers on this team. And it led to 289 yards and four touchdowns for Murray. There's a lot of playmakers now uh, in the passing game. So I think that I think Kyler Murray could easily finish as the QB one, but I'm not worried if I took Mahomes over him just yet. I think I think you're right. It is a question with at least with between those two with no wrong answers. But you mentioned the four touchdown passes, the one touchdown run for Kyler, and seeing guys like Christian Kirk get more involved, seeing how much they use Rondale Moore uh, was very encouraging in this first week. If there's if there's one thing I'm a little bit worried about, he only ran five times for 20 yards, but he did have a rushing touchdown. They really split up the rushing work pretty evenly between Chase Edmonds and James Conner. I'm curious to see uh, if that's a thing that continues all season long. Uh, next up, Christian McCaffrey, who stepped back in and did Christian McCaffrey things, got you nearly 28 fantasy points. Uh, his huge season in 2019, he averaged 29 and a half fantasy points. The last few times he's been on the field, he's been right around you know, 28, 29, 30 points per game. Uh, can he repeat what we saw in 2019? Is that possible? Yeah, I think it is. Last year, he was held to three games. But like you said, Marcus, he was putting up numbers just like this. He was averaging 30 fantasy points per game last year. And this year, it was the Jets. You could say it was a favorable matchup. It doesn't matter. We've seen Christian McCaffrey go out and do this against the best defenses in the league and the worst. Like, he gives you RB1 numbers every week, 21 carries for 98 yards. That is great. And then he gives you wide receiver one numbers in the air. Like, he had a team-high nine targets and catches for 89 yards. Like, if you got that out of, like, DJ Moore... Nine for 89, you'd be feeling good today. <laughs> but yet you got that, plus you got 98 rushing yards on top of it. Like, this reminds me back in the day, Marcus. Remember uh, LaDainian Tomlinson? Like, people changed fantasy for that guy. They made, like, a third-round <laughs> reversal in certain leagues because it was just such an advantage having LT. That is Christian McCaffrey, and it might even be better now because of what he gives you in the passing game. He is just a cheat code. Like, he is head and shoulders the best player in fantasy football, no questions asked. You know, I know there was some talk near the end of draft season of like, you know, hey, you know, why why are we worried about you know Saquon Barkley's injuries or you know this guy or that guy, but we're still taking Christian McCaffrey number one overall, and well, that that's it. <laughs> what we saw from him yesterday uh, is exactly the reason why a lot of us felt comfortable making Christian McCaffrey the number one overall pick in, in our drafts this year. Uh, Tyreek Hill had a huge day. The Chiefs needed pretty much every bit of it to get by a very feisty Browns team. Uh, this is another one, though, where uh, for as good as Tyreek Hill has been, I mean, he's been a top three receiver, I think, two of the last three years. But a lot of people, I will raise my hand here, still very much on Devontae Adams as the wide receiver one. Uh, did we did we choose poorly in that instance? Uh, I, I'm still going to hold out and say that I, I think Devontae Adams is the wide receiver one. La, la, I mean, yesterday, I was going to say last week already, but yesterday was just a, <laughs> a awful performance for the Packers as a whole. Tyreek Hill, though, yeah. I mean, I had him as the third wide receiver behind Diggs as well. I, I mean, those guys, I think you could put them in any order, but the fact that Tyreek Hill is attached to Patrick Mahomes in what is such – Marcus, this offense has become so funneled. Like, a couple of years ago, they used to get more pieces involved. Now it's really just Hill, Kelsey, and you'll get the occasional 
you know, CEH target involved there. But it's really just such a funneled passing game. They don't run a whole bunch. So, yeah, Tyreek Hill could easily be the wide receiver one this year. Not only could he easily be it, Marcus, he always has the potential of having one of those, like, historic run away with it and, like, put you on his back and just lead you to a championship type of season. He he has that upside 100%. There was a point during the game, you know, I, I was watching Red Zone and had a couple other different games on and I went back to the, the Chiefs and Browns and at some point I looked up and, and he had like 178 receiving yards or something like that. And I'm like, holy crap, like when how did that happen? I mean, he finished with nearly 200 receiving yards in week one on 11 catches uh, and very much, as you mentioned, uh, you know, pretty much one of two parts of that that receiving group there between him and, and Travis Kelsey. They they handle most of the work, and this could be sort of a thing we see all year long. Uh, the, speaking the of Browns, things, go ahead. I was going to say the Browns, like, they, they took a long drive, had a, a two-score lead. The announcer's like, you have to feel great if you're the Browns. One play, 75-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. <laughs> it changed fantasy games. It changed this game. That is what this guy can do. He is just so explosive. Someone tweeted yesterday that the Chiefs are sort of like they're sort of like the the Golden State Warriors from about five or six years ago, where like no lead is safe. You can be up a couple touchdowns on the Chiefs, and doesn't matter because they can come back and score in one or two plays and completely change the game uh, and and get your defense sort of confused. Um, in Detroit. The Lions made a game of it against the 49ers when they were getting blown out. They ended up coming up short near the end. But TJ Hawkinson ended up having himself a day. 10 targets had eight catches for 97 yards and a touchdown. You know, he was consensus a top five tight end in most drafts. But what we saw yesterday, do you feel like this is sustainable for Hawkinson? I do. Not not in the sense that he's going to get you 24 fantasy points each week with nearly 100 yards and a touchdown because we know that is a big game for the tight ends. But what I care about early in the season is usage. And 10 targets, yeah, I think it is sustainable for him to be one of, if not the Lions' top target every single week, especially when you look at the fact that they had three players get nine or more targets. One was Hawkinson. The other two were the running backs. I mean, Marcus, we were we both liked Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, some people liked uh, Terrell Williams. Cephas had a little bit of, you know, maybe he could be the number one here. None of these wide receivers are going to be the top target in this offense. It is going to be the <laughs> running backs and Hawkinson. And this was against a 49ers defense that is tough on tight ends. So I do think you should be feeling really good right now if you have Hawkinson. It was, I won't say eye-opening, but I guess I, I don't know if I expected that much offense from the Lions. And a lot of it came late. You know, the Niners, I think, pulled some starters. They had a couple of really uh, serious miscues and a couple of fumbles and, and that sort of thing that allowed the Lions to get back in it. So we ended up seeing more offense than I think I anticipated. But you're right. TJ Hawkinson, I think, will end up being the target leader, uh, maybe by a pretty sizable margin in this offense. I know he wasn't the target leader yesterday, but I also don't expect DeAndre Swift to get 11 targets every single week. So, um, you know, hey, if you if you got Hawkinson sort of in the mid rounds, uh, at least after one week, you got to be feeling pretty good about what you got there. Uh Defense. I know we don't talk a ton of defense, but the Cardinals yesterday, and I know producer Justin probably doesn't want to think about this or hear about it, so you can put on some earmuffs or something for the next couple of minutes. Uh, but let's start with Chandler Jones had himself a day, and Taylor Lewan afterwards went out and tweeted about it, said, got my ass kicked today, no way around that. 
I let the team and the fans down. Thank you, Chandler Jones, for exposing me. It will only force me to get better. Chandler Jones, by himself, had five sacks. I think the Cardinals as a team had six. Um, ended up having a huge, huge day against an offense that I think we all thought was going to be pretty good. Um, did we overlook the Cardinals, or was this just the case of the Titans just sort of having a bad day? No, I think we overlooked the, the Cardinals' defense a bit. We did hear some chatter throughout the offseason that they're going to be a better unit because of the pieces they added, but I did not expect them to come out and dominate what I think is going to be one of the better offenses in football this year. I mean, and, and Luan is like a Pro Bowl left tackle. This isn't like this was a backup or anything like this. Like They were just getting so much pressure on Tannehill that, and for a good chunk of the game, they Derrick Henry was a non-factor. I think he had something like nine yards at halftime. Uh, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown never were able to get cooking because there was just too much pressure uh, too quickly on Tannehill. So I know they play in the toughest division and have a lot of good offenses they're going to have to face, but I definitely think we overlooked them, and they could be a top 10, if not better, defense for fantasy purposes. I think some of it is because of the other defenses in their division, right? The Niners have been very good for a number of years. The Rams have been good, expected to be very good again this year. And even the Seahawks, uh, I, I think they're still living a little bit off the Legion of Boom legacy, even if they haven't quite been that the last couple of years. But we still talk a lot about that Seahawks defense uh, for better or for worse. And so maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe J.J. Watt still got something to prove out there in Arizona. Chandler Jones proving that he's still one of the best pass rushers in the league as well so maybe they do deserve a little bit more credit uh, than we have given them that feels like a good spot to uh end that but let's uh, take a time to play some panic or patience as we look at some guys who were not great in week one and we figure out whether or not we should be worried about it the first one is aaron Rodgers, who was just the way around it was just awful the packers were awful offensively and defensively on sunday uh i think rogers gave you one point one point three points in fact uh i saw a tweet that if you were to you know throw every every pass into the ground that your passer rating would be like 36 or something like that and somehow rogers put up a 32 passer rating just to tell you how <laughs> bad he was um i think i know what your answer is going to be but panic or patience yeah, patience all the way. Like, to take a line from the man himself, relax. Like, <laughs> it, it was one awful game. And, and like, Rodgers did stuff that I had never really seen Rodgers do. Like, on that one deep interception, like, he was just chucking the ball downfield. I, I was surprised that he was doing that. But the Saints defense is one of the best in football, especially up front. They get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And we've known for years now – Rodgers is a, is a little bit like Brady in that sense. Like, that's the only way you could really rattle him. Like, if you give him time, he is going to beat you every single time. But if you could get pre uh, pressure on him, then you could rattle him a bit. And that's what the Saints were able to do yesterday. I'm not worried about it. Although, if he has another bad game next week, Marcus, are we going to start calling for him to, like, cut his hair or something like that? <laughs> I wonder, right? He's grown, he's grown out the hair, and he doesn't look the same uh, as he did in, in past years. I will say this. Next week, they've got the Lions. Um, not only are the Lions, <laughs> That's a get right, you know, right, not only are the Lions just not a good team defensively, and then they gave up a ton of points to the 49ers. Historically, Aaron Rodgers has owned the Lions. So everything is trending toward him having a bounce back game next week. Now, if, you know, we're looking at Rodgers putting up like eight points, 10 points next week, throwing a couple of picks and not looking good. Then I think we have a real conversation on our hands, but for now, I'm not really worried about it. It was a one-off. Um, 
Matt Ryan did not look good for the Falcons in a game that I thought was going to be a high-scoring one, but uh, Philly pretty much ran away and hid in that ball, ball game. So, uh, Matt Ryan, panic or patience? Uh, definitely more towards the panic side than the patience side for Matt Ryan. This was a game where the game script was very good for Matt Ryan, right? Like, I, I know they fell behind, but we've seen Matt Ryan put up big fantasy numbers in those types of games where he's just airing the ball out and trying to get his uh, team back in to make up for the defense. He wasn't able to do that yesterday against the Philly uh, and Eagles defense. Look, Philly, last year, we, we know their D-line is their strength, but I thought Ryan would be able to pass on this team, and, and for... One thing I had concern with him was him losing some arm strength on the deep ball, and the deep ball wasn't really in play yesterday for them. So I, I'm definitely worried about Ryan. This is an offense where I want the top pass catchers, and that's about it. Well, and even then, the, the pass catchers, because Ryan was struggling, the pass catchers gave you some mediocre numbers. Calvin Ridley, five yeah. catches for 51. Kyle Pitts, four for 31. Uh, Ryan himself did not throw a touchdown, just 164 yards. I am definitely trending toward panic on this one. That was not a good start. I expected a lot more from this offense. Uh, and, and knowing that they're going to be probably in a lot of negative game scripts because of their defense. Uh, I'm hoping that we can get a little bit better out of Matt Ryan, but that was a really, really awful showing to start. Um, James Robinson, a, a guy that you know, I said that I liked. I felt like he was going to have a role, and then Travis Etienne gets hurt, so that was going to open up that role. And then I felt like in week one, if you're ever going to start James Robinson, it was going to be against the Houston Texans. That turned out to not be the case. In fact, I don't think he got a carry until a couple minutes into the second quarter. Uh, was on the field. They just didn't use him. And the Jaguars looked awful. Uh, panic or patience on J-Rob? I'm still saying patience, but it's definitely a lot more panic than it was at this time yesterday. Like, um, I, I don't get why Carlos Hyde was the, the one getting the carries early on. I mean, Urban Meyer, what are you doing? Like, th this guy, for some reason, doesn't seem to be in love with James Robinson. Like, they brought Travis Etienne uh, in the draft, and then Carlos Hyde is getting usage in the preseason and in, uh, in the first quarter of the first game of the season. So I don't fully get it. We didn't expect him to get a workload similar to last year. But, I mean, this wasn't even that close to last year, although I will say... 62% of the snaps compared to just 37% for Carlos Hyde. And while Hyde had the nine carries compared to Robinson's five, Robinson did have six targets. So that boosts his value as well, especially for a team like the Jags that we expect to be trailing a lot. And while the Texans were a great matchup, Robinson didn't have his best performances against them last year. He actually had one. He was the lone running back who didn't score a touchdown uh, in a game against them last year. So <laughs> I'm not too worried just yet, but I'm definitely souring on him a little bit after what we saw yesterday. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned. Uh, just just the fact that they didn't really use him very heavily. That we saw a lot more Carlos Hyde than I anticipated in this one. Um, you know, in what at least on paper seemed to be a really favorable matchup. Next week they've got the Broncos. That's definitely not as exciting there. And we're all still trying to figure out what Urban Meyer is doing, how he's utilizing these pieces. But this one felt like it was going to be sort of tailor-made to run the football effectively, and they didn't. So um, I don't want to give up on Robinson just yet, but I'm certainly very, very concerned after what I saw on Sunday. Uh, last one, Julio Jones. And I went back and rewatched that Cardinals-Titans game uh, this morning, and 
one, Tannehill really was just under pressure a lot. We talked about that just a little bit ago. But even when he wasn't, they didn't look in Julio's direction all that often. Uh, a lot of throws to A.J. Brown, no surprise. Not as many to Julio. Um, panic or patience here? I'm still I'm going with patience here. It, it was one game where it was... It was just a tough matchup for the Titans. Like the the Cardinals, like we were talking about earlier, got a ton of pressure on them, and that leads to trying to get the ball out of your hands quickly, which isn't a, a doesn't play into the strength of Julio Jones, which is his field stretching ability. So I am still chalking this up to just a one bad performance. But I will say I was I was very high on Julio Jones, so maybe that's optimistic thinking. I didn't get the chance to watch the game nearly as closely as you have yet, so I'm I'm really curious how you feel about Julio. I mean, I, I'm not panicked on him just yet. I do think that this was a game, it got away kind of quickly from the Titans. I mean, they were down 17 nothing just about four minutes into the second quarter, and I'm sure that completely changed the way they operated uh, and allowed the Cardinals to kind of get more comfortable uh, in coverage and that sort of thing. So I'm not really worried just yet, um, but it was definitely not the start I was hoping for from the Titans offense, from Julio Jones, pretty much from anybody there. So uh, not great, but I'm not I'm not freaking out just yet. If you've got Julio, don't start making panic trade offers or anything like that. Like, hang on. It should be okay. <laughs> All right. We'll step away for a sec. Come back. We'll look at some rookie wide receivers. I have a lot of first-year guys we were keeping an eye on. And for the most part, things seem to be going pretty well. Stay tuned for that. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Let's do the rookie report, huh? Let's talk some wide receivers because this was a draft class that people were very excited about. A number of guys that we felt like could come in and make an immediate impact in fantasy. And so we were keeping an eye on a handful of them in week one. And for the most part, I feel like the returns were positive. Let's just look at the, the big three, for instance. Jamar Chase for the Cincinnati Bengals, five catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. Devontae Smith for the Eagles, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, six catches for 71 yards and a touchdown and Jalen Waddle down in Miami four catches 61 yards and a touchdown I'm not even mentioning Rondale Moore who had a lot of looks uh, for the Arizona Cardinals as well but of that group uh, especially those big three which one of those performances surprised you the most Florio for me it was Waddle and I think part of it was I was just overlooking him a little bit like Devonta Smith and even Jamar Chase with all of the concerns that we had been hearing about him throughout preseason I had those two uh, head and shoulders as the top two wideouts coming into this draft class. So I, w I was pretty excited about them early on. And even again with Chase, with the concerns, like I thought he might start out slow, but then I, I thought at the end of the year he would be fine. Waddle, I had more concerns with uh, given the – I know Will Fuller was out this week, but given the amount of pass catchers they had in the Dolphins system and in the first game up against a tough matchup against the Patriots, I did not expect him to go out and be – have a really nice fantasy day, and he played nearly 80% of the snaps and had a 22% target share. And Marcus, what I think you love for all three of these guys, like Waddles was the lowest snap share and target share. The other two guys even exceeded that. So big time usage for all three rookies in their first NFL game. 
Yeah, that was definitely good to see those guys not only being on the field, but being very involved in their respective offenses. Uh, for me, the, the big surprise was was Jamar Chase, not because of the whole you know drops in preseason. I wasn't really worried about that. Not even because of the thing with the football, with the white stripes in college versus the NFL. Uh, that just felt like a silly talking point that got blown way out of proportion. For me, the reason I was surprised was just because I felt like early on we would see a lot more of T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Instead, Boyd was sort of the odd man out in this first week. Now, look, I think the receivers are talented enough in Cincinnati that that could change, that we will have some weeks where it will be the Tyler Boyd show, some weeks where it will be T. Higgins uh, putting up huge numbers, and there will be some more Jamar Chase weeks. I just was a little bit surprised to see it in week one. Uh, that to me is not, uh, you know, it's not a comment on his ability. It's not a comment on his fit in the offense. Just the way I thought things were going to go in week one. That's all. That's all that was. So uh, I do got to mention, though, Rondale Moore, four catches for, for 68 yards. And I know last week on the pod, we talked about, you know, who was the wide receiver two in Arizona? Do we trust him? I think the answer is Christian Kirk. But Rondell Moore is a guy I think we got to pay attention to now. Yeah, all I actually wrote about all three Cardinals receivers in the waiver wire article that you could check out on NFL.com slash fantasy. Um, I, AJ Green saw more snaps and targets, but he did the least with it. I said I think Kirk is the number two to trust in fantasy, but Moore is very explosive and could continue to carve out a larger role for him. I think he is a really good uh, option to get for cheap right now off the waiver wire and then just stash on your bench. He was definitely a dynasty favorite. And for those people who got them, week one was definitely encouraging. Um, I think it also, if we haven't closed the book on Andy Isabella in Arizona, I think we can do that now. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty much a wrap. Let's take a look at some of the waiver wire targets heading into week two. This put out by Michael F. Flory. You can check it out at NFL.com slash waiver wire. Some of your quarterbacks, Sam Darnold, Jameis Winston, Zach Wilson, Terod Taylor. Uh, at running back, Elijah Mitchell, who we talked about earlier in the show. Naheem Hines, Devin Singletary, who is available in a surprising number of leagues right now. And Mark Ingram. Over to the wide receivers, Terrace Marshall Jr., Christian Kirk, and Rondale Moore, who we just talked about. Tim Patrick and K.J. Hamler, who should be stepping in uh, in the absence of Jerry Judy in the short term. A couple more wide receivers, Jalen Rager and Cedric Wilson, who filled in nicely after Michael Gallup went down on Thursday night. And a handful of tight ends, Gerald Everett, uh, Dalton Schultz, and Jawan Johnson, who looks like the new hotness down there in New Orleans. But I uh, want to dive into uh, a couple of these guys in particular. And uh, Sam Darnold, who I know you and I were sort of rooting for, it felt like a lot of people were sort of rooting for Sam Darnold to uh, you know shake off the gayness uh, you know, now that down there in Carolina. And he was okay, but I feel like what we saw was encouraging from him on Sunday, Florio. Yeah, the biggest thing for me was he outscored Justin Herbert because I, I know I was looking crazy <laughs> when I said that the other day. But in all seriousness, he didn't get asked to do a whole lot, but this was a game where the Panthers were playing with a lead and a multiple score lead for most throughout the game. The Jets ended up making it close late, but they weren't asking Sam Darnold to do a whole lot. And the reason I'm, I, I like Sam Darnold so much is not really all about Sam Darnold. We, we spoke about Christian McCaffrey giving you wide receiver one numbers. DJ Moore put up pretty nice numbers. Robbie Anderson didn't do a whole lot, but he did catch this long touchdown. 
And then Terrace Marshall Jr. is someone uh, that he had six targets low-key, and, and I think he could be a difference maker in this offense as well. So games where Darnold is asked to pass more, and there will be games like that. They're not going to always be playing with a lead because they're not always going to be playing the Jets. And in those <laughs> weeks, I think Sam Darnold could give you some nice fantasy production solely because the weapons around him. Definitely, I think, a positive start for him. And I loved the way he got so many of his wide receivers involved. Uh, seeing DJ Moore make plays, seeing Terrace Marshall be a big part of it was definitely encouraging. Uh, next week, though, they have the Saints who just dismantled the Packers. So uh, I would say go get Sam Darnold. I would say be judicious as to whether or not you're putting him in your lineup uh, against that New Orleans defense. Uh, another name that is interesting to me is Christian Kirk. And we talked briefly about him. We talked about Rondell Moore just a bit ago. But but I had kind of said that this was the year I think I was sort of out. I had tried to be a Christian Kirk stan, and it never worked out for me. So I said this was the year I'm letting go of the rope. And then he promptly scores two touchdowns. It makes me look and feel silly. <laughs> so um, do I need to get back on? Can I, is, is there room to jump back on this, this train uh, with Christian Kirk this year? There is. And, and we did see Kirk last year flash at times. Like I, I was firmly getting on his train. Uh, last, like he had a big game against the Seahawks. It was like a big month he had and then he kind of faded off. So yeah, I'm not all in on Kirk just yet, but he did play the third most snaps amongst their wide receivers. He had the five targets. He caught all five for 70 yards and two touchdowns. And what I like though is that he is the field stretcher here. Like they're not using AJ Green really in that role. Uh, they're going to let him and, and D Hop obviously, and, and then Rondell Moore could get utilized there as well. But Kirk being the deep threat is going to lead to a lot of opportunities like he had this past week where he's going to be able to just streak down the sideline or something and try to get open and, and score a long touchdown. The Cardinals continue to run a lot of three and four wide receiver sets. So the usage is going to be there for Kirk, I think. Is he always going to have games like this where he's catching two touchdowns? No, but if you could get a, a cheap source of uh, the Cardinals offense from the waiver wire, I like it. I think the best part for me was sort of getting a little more clarity on where the ball is going. And you're right. It's probably going to change. We know it's going to be nuke. And then after that, we'll see. But it looks like they want to get Christian Kirk very much involved. And that, I think, is sort of kind of all we want to know. And then we can sort of make our decisions uh, accordingly there. So if we're adding people on the waiver wire, that means we've got to make room some kind of way, which means we've got to drop some people off our roster. So as you look at this, uh, Florio, who are some folks that you feel like uh, can go back into the free agent pool at this point? Yeah, I think you could cut Zach Moss. He was a healthy scratch. I, I mean, that you could just get rid of him. Tevin Coleman, the Jets used all three of their running backs. Uh, Mike Gusecki, he only had two targets, was shut out in fantasy. Uh, and... With Will Fuller coming back next week, that the targets are a real concern. And then J.D. McKissick, I think, as well, because Antonio Gibson, it's happening, Marcus. He was getting the running back <laughs> targets, not McKissick. And McKissick was a pass catcher, and if he's not catching passes, then there is really no value for your fantasy team. The, the one name I would add to that list would be Russell Gage in Atlanta. We we talked about our, our concerns for Matt Ryan. Uh, if he's struggling to get Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts heavily involved, I feel like there's not really going to be a lot of room for Russell Gage to make plays. And there are other receivers out there you can go find, like maybe a Christian Kirk. Uh, that could be a little bit more productive for you. So there you go. Uh, if you want more of the waiver wire article, you can go check it out at NFL.com slash waiver wire. Florio does a great job posting that up every week.
as we close out this show, uh, you know, hey, look, we make mistakes too. We sit here and we, you know, we give you our opinion and we have our own teams and every now and then we do things and we screw it up. So it's our little fantasy faux pas section. We talk about some of the things we wish we could have back. So as you look across the landscape of your fantasy rosters, uh, what's a move you wish you had a do-over on? Yeah, I wish I did not bench Mike Williams in nearly all. Like I drafted him in so many leagues. He's one of my most drafted players. And in most of them, I benched him this week because I did not like the matchup. I didn't like it for Herbert or the receivers. But I I will caveat it with this. Like if you bench someone like Williams, maybe you bench like a Jamar Chase because you had concerns about him and they went off in week one. That is reason to feel good, not bad that you benched him. Because if (laughs) Williams did what he did against a tough Washington defense, I only feel better about what he can do as the season goes on. And the volume was exactly what I had hoped for. So I'm taking this as a positive, even though it was a negative for my week one lineups. My wish that I could do over would be starting Brandon Ayuk. And I was very heavy on Team Ayuk all offseason. I drafted him in as many places as I could, had really big expectations for this week against the Detroit Lions, and he wasn't on the field all that much. Really wasn't involved, didn't get you any points uh, in fantasy. And then after the fact, we all learned that one had maybe a nagging hamstring injury and that according to Kyle Shanahan, Brandon Ayuk was outplayed by Trent Sherfield in practice uh, leading up to the game. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, I'm going to start calling him the Fog, one, because his team is based in San Francisco, and uh, he's pretty much obscuring us from finding out things about his team. Uh, these would have all been great things to, uh, to learn about maybe a couple days before, so we could have all made an informed decision. I know that's not Kyle's job, but, you know, throw us a bone here. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, all right, so through week one, how are we feeling? Are we, are, are we happy with the start? Uh, how are you feeling about the about things in NFL and fantasy? I'm feeling good about a lot, Marcus. Uh, uh, what you were just touching on, though, I think that to me was the most concerning thing from week one was the Ayuk usage. Like, Debo Samuel was playing over him, and Debo looked amazing. Is Debo going to do everything that we thought Ayuk could do? Is Ayuk going to be the wide receiver two there long term? Like, That, to me, was the biggest concern. But overall, I mean, one, it was just great to have real-life football on the TV that matters. It was good to check fantasy scores. And and just like you, I had more wins than losses in week one. So I'm I'm chalking everything up to uh, it was a good week one to start the season. Yeah, I would agree. It was a really good week to start the season, and hopefully uh, it is the start of what a should be a very good season all around. It's the biggest season ever. I don't know if you've heard that. I came up with that on my own. I'm the first person to ever say that. That's it. All right. In the meantime, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by Subway. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, does a man-eating shark eat women too? Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we will see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 